Welcome to MuggleCast episode 407. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. On today's show, we're discussing Half-Blood Prince chapter 18, birthday surprises, and we have some news to discuss. (laughs) It's always funny to me when people hear I do a Harry Potter podcast, like, what do you talk about? I'm like, well, we're still going through the books and there's still news. And this is a perfect example of how this stuff just comes up (laughs) and it just works so well for a weekly Harry Potter podcast. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, as we have been saying here on the show, there's been some fallout around the second Fantastic Beast movie, and WB's CEO commented on the negative reaction. He was speaking to the Los Angeles Times for some reason, and they said, so what went wrong with Fantastic Beast 2? <laughs> Yeah, kind of a little awkward of a question to ask the CEO. And he said, The second film didn't perform as well as the first, but I think we know what we need to do to get the third film hopefully even better than the first one. And J.K. Rowling is really working hard now on that third script, and we're going to get it right. She has an incredible vision of where she wants to go with this. That is incredibly exciting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. This part of the quote sounds delightful, right? That's great. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's cool. And the news here from this part of the quote is that J.K. Rowling did return to the script. She had said that she was finished writing Fantastic Beasts 2 last year. So she's back at it. Three. Three. Yeah. And now here's the second part of the quote. The hardest part of the franchise is you have such a big core fan base. That fan base really knows the lore and they want to go deep into these characters. But what you don't want to do is intimidate people. You want to be able to create a standalone movie that's enjoyable for someone who isn't steeped in the lore. Um, I... (laughs) 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 So, I think that most anybody would be cool with all the extra lore that we were getting in the films if it made sense. Thank you. Right. Like, if there was the appropriate amount of context (laughs) included. This quote kind of scares me because their hypothesis is incorrect. Right. They're they're not pursuing the right path here. They, it's not that the that that they're that they're having a hard time balancing the hardcore fans and pleasing the casual people who maybe don't care about what the hardcore fans do. It's that the hardcore fans need to understand everything that you're saying, and so do the softcore fans, the casual fans. Right? Is that that's yeah. the problem? Correct. I, I, yeah, I'd love to complain that this film was only for general audiences. Oh my god, we didn't get anything deep. But the things we we got just didn't make any sense. And I'm not talking about like the film is are allowed to end on a cliffhanger. That's not. I mean, if you set aside the uh, Dumbledore uh, reveal at the end of the movie. You still get a film that, I mean, even general audiences, it's not clear why these characters are doing these things. And it's everything with the prophecy. It's just so jumbled and mixed. And the plot and execution is not that of a standard film. It's just not, it's not how you tell a, a, a movie story. And so I'm very confused how the CEO appears to have gotten the mixed message again about what went wrong. Yeah. 
And I think that anytime a CEO is doing an interview like this, he or she has the questions in advance for the most part. So they know what they're going to be asked. So they are able to prepare a response. And I agree with what you both said. I think that it was just too confusing. And if the movie did end, let's say not long after you had that big battle scene, you did have these sort of cliffhanger moments. You had Credence go over with Grindelwald. You had Queenie go over with Grindelwald. And then just minutes later, you have this big reveal about Aurelius Dumbledore. And I just think it didn't sit well the way it was delivered to fans. It just, it was too confusing. I had people who were in the theater with me who just, they were so confused. They they just didn't get it, especially because, Eric, to your point, you're spending the entire film focused on this prophecy and thinking that you're going to get a reveal that Credence is Lita's brother. And we talked last week about these deleted scenes. I think some of those deleted scenes maybe would have helped with the flow of the story. Maybe they make the movie, what, seven, eight minutes longer? But it would have, I think, helped with the storytelling component. I just... I agree. Uh, this is this is a pre-scripted response by the CEO. <laughs> and I don't really know that it tells us anything. If J.K. Rowling would have said some of these things, I think maybe we would have responded a little bit differently. But it would have been so think, much worse. How many movies does the WB CEO have to be concerned with over the course mm-hmm. of a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots. Mm-hmm. I. You know, I think the Harry Potter franchise is very important to him. It's one of their three big franchises right now, DC, Lego, and this. And for what it's worth, I remember that Kevin Sujihara, the WB CEO, was the one who went directly to J.K. Rowling, sat down with her and said, hey, can we do anything with Fantastic Beasts? Mm. And she credits Kevin with getting this series going. There's a quote from her being like, when I say he's literally responsible for this happening, I mean it. He he asked me about it, and this was the idea I had in the back of my head anyway. If I were to ever write more in The Wizarding World, it would be about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, although she didn't say that at the time. She said Newt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I just also want to mention that in the same interview, Kevin Tsushihara says that Harry Potter Wizards Unite, that Pokemon Go type game, is going to be out this summer. I am so excited for that. I, I can't wait to, to dive in. Yeah, that's going to be great. I can't wait for like the song of the summer, whatever it's going to be, to blast that. <laughs> Get on my shorts, my board shorts and my jandals and go down to the, the beach, the fake beach in Chicago and try and catch some Fantastic Beasts. Hey, everybody, Eric Skull. I'm a muggle caster out and about trying to catch a golden snitch in my flip-flops. Yeah. The real question is, is Patrick going to be able to move away from Hogwarts Mystery to play Wizards <laughs> Unite? <laughs> I, I'm hoping the mystery is solved by the time that game comes out, because I shudder to think how much time he, he'll be spending on his phone juggling both games. It'll be interesting to see, too, like, because the Pokemon Go company is creating this new Harry Potter one, and presumably they're going to be using the same locations. Is, like, my local 7-Eleven just going to be populated with Pokemon Go and Wizards Unite players now? <laughs> just yesterday, they were all congregating at the 7-Eleven because of something going on in Pokemon Go. Oh, those hooligans. <laughs> That's going to be us. Yeah. <laughs> just Catching trying to some... buy my, my Gatorade. 
<laughs> Get out of um, here. So uh, update on Rolling Watch. She did kind of come back. She uh, tweeted happy album release day to the Fat Cops, which is a indie rock band. Eric did a little research there. Um, so she's not tweeting anything yet for anyone who's keeping track, but she she did tweet that message directly to the band. Yeah. And she favorited liked, a couple of tweets. Yeah, she liked a, a review of their tweets. She liked uh, a reply. And as you say, um, wish them a happy album release. So I thought we might actually play this music. See, it wasn't the well wishes of fans across the world uh, that brought her back to Twitter. It was this album release (laughs) of this band that nobody's heard of. So I thought we should play them because obviously they're good enough to bring rolling back to Twitter to achieve the impossible. Um, Is this how we get J.K. Rowling to notice us? We start a band? maybe oh or my god if... we can call ourselves muggle and the casters <laughs> okay <laughs> who's the muggle <laughs> you <laughs> micah you're the muggle here's a brief clip let's hear it for good wow uh <laughs> okay good stuff so on to muggle mail now we only got one email you know what dear listeners we're not getting many emails and we would love if you emailed us old school we get voicemails which is great we'll get back to them but we would love if people wrote in mugglecast at gmail.com or you can use the mugglecast website this is from amy she said, hello, Mugglecasters. I'm hoping to leave you a voicemail as well to gush about the studio tour and Cursed Child. But for now, I wanted to tell you about my family's photos taken at Platform 9 and 3 quarters last week. We took our daughter to London for her 9 and 3 quarter birthday. Oh. And had the most magical time doing all things Harry Potter. The staff at Platform 9 and 3 quarters was so excited for her day and the fact that she had sign. I don't know what that means, but. A sign. Oh, she, uh, the sign in the photo. Uh, they did get oh. a photo of of her in the in the in the photo. I believe says it's my nine and three quarter birthday. Maybe this is what I'll do for my nephew on his nine and three quarters birthday. I'll give him the Harry Potter Illustrated Edition books. There should be at least five of them out by that time. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them will be part part one of book four, <laughs> part two. <laughs> Keep dreaming, Eric. I know, I know. All I know. one book, yeah. <laughs> Andrew. I thought you were gonna say this was what you were going to do. Like you were going to take him to platform nine and three quarters. And I was like, Uh well, you have like eight and three quarter years to save for that. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But do I really want to spend that much on him? I mean, I love him, but that much. eh. Well, I thought, I thought I was nerdy for celebrating half birthdays every year, but like this nine and three quarter thing is going to catch on. This is this is phenomenal. I want to know yeah. how Amy thought of it or heard of it. But this is an amazing way to celebrate for a kid who's into Harry Potter. I agree. And I also feel like that's a good age to start reading the Harry Potter books. Clearly, your daughter already read them. But um, that's really cool. And that's why I'm thinking like maybe I'll get my nephew into Harry Potter on his, when he turns nine and three quarters. Mm-hmm. We should have had a birthday party when MuggleCast turned nine and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, that was a missed opportunity. Oh, man. <laughs> well, when we turned 687. 
<laughs> for Harry's vault. <laughs> yeah. Go to Gringotts. Well, episode 687, that, that's realistic. Oh, I guess so, yeah. So, before we get to chapter by chapter, we have a new sponsor this week that I think any Hogwarts student would be interested in signing up for, Chegg. If you're like me, you might know Chegg from their textbook rentals back in the day. I used to use them as a college student, but they actually do a lot more these days. Today, they are the leader in online study assistance. Whether you need textbook solutions or expert Q&A, there's no better tool to help you ace any class than Chegg Study. We've all been there, students. You're trying to study, you're trying to complete some homework, and you just get stuck. You just can't find any information on horcruxes or antidotes. You need reliable guidance that can help you complete your work and get back to your Netflix binge, or in my case, when I was in college, uh, getting back to working on MuggleNet. <laughs> Chegg Study lets you get your work done without the stress of the unknown by letting you tap into Chegg's massive library of step-by-step -step textbook solutions. Solutions cover subjects as diverse as accounting, biology, calculus, to mechanical engineering. If you're studying for midterms, getting prepped for a final exam, or have difficult homework problems, you can master any class with the Chegg Study app. And not only do they have guides for over 20,000 books, but you also get live help from an expert. Simply use the Chegg Study app to snap a quick pick of problems not covered in your textbook, then submit it instantly to Chegg's experts. They'll help you out in as little as two hours. This is a dream come true. When I was in college, I would have killed for something like this. This would have saved me so much time. For $5 off your first month's subscription, go to Chegg.com slash MuggleCast and use promo code MuggleCast. Again, for $5 off your first month's subscription, go to com slash MuggleCast and use promo code MuggleCast. If you're in school, you're going to want to give this a try, and the special offer is just a great deal. So again, Chegg.com slash MuggleCast. Get $5 off. All right, it's time now for chapter by chapter. We're discussing Half-Blood Prince chapter 18, birthday surprises. You know, guys, did you notice that in this chapter, they're transitioning from February to March, mm -hmm. like we are mm -hmm. IRL? Oh, yeah. Did we plan it that way? Let's say yes. Yeah, of yes. course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically Ron's birthday is March 1st, which was just two days ago when I was reading this chapter. So it felt real special. Yeah, happy birthday, Ron. Yeah. Laura, weren't you a big Ron fan back in the day? I was. And I really hate what the movies did to him. I feel like there's so much of Ron's character that either gets... Um, like sort of the best aspects of Ron get moved over to Hermione for whatever reason, Ooh. and 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 then they just kind of make him look like a an idiot throughout the entire thing. He's an idiot for much of the books, but and this book especially, <laughs> uh, yeah. But there are many redeeming qualities that I feel like are not demonstrated in the films. So, so he's I was very idiot, disappointed in but that. But he's your idiot. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> 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 all right so let's do the seven word summary laura kick us, start us off ron doesn't really love ramilda vain <laughs> micah yeah well eric kind of uh uh, yeah, okay. there. I kind of all right no no no, no you have to you've uh, on it you've already said your word all right you could make it vain. Wholeheartedly. 
wholeheartedly. Oh, I was gonna say no mo. No mo. (laughs) That's one word. (laughs) Or a toll. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's a good one. I feel like that was pretty accurate and fit well. (laughs) So Micah, who's now frustrated by seven word summary, (laughs) why don't you uh, kick us off? Through our, uh, lead us through the discussion. Be happy to, Andrew. So the uh, the chapter starts off with Harry telling, actually, both Ron and Hermione about what uh, Dumbledore has tasked him with. Uh, but I think the most interesting piece of it is that he tells Hermione about Horcruxes, and it's something she doesn't really know uh, what it is. And I I found it. A little bit I know we're it's a little bit further down the line but th- there's not a whole lot of information about this piece of magic out there and and th- this is a centerpiece to the to the series I mean it's it's really everything and yet it's just such a small footnote now having been dropped at the end of the last chapter and now at the beginning of this one but it's just kind of casually there and we're expected just to kind of focus more on the fact that Ron almost kills himself by uh taking these uh these love potion chocolates so well remember micah this is a children's series so we have to have some fun too (laughs) well is this all fun i mean it's pretty it's a pretty serious chapter you you, at the end you don't even know what what happened to ron have some hijinks too Mm -hmm. that is true (laughs) It, it does end pretty like like scarily i think um with with no guarantee of Ron's safety. But I, I think you guys were right last week when I think, Mike, it may have been you, said like the time to ask about Horcruxes was last chapter when Harry was with Dumbledore and he first heard the word. Would have been real easy to just go, hey, by the way, what are these? Um, because Hermione doesn't know. And in fact, we find out, I think it's later or maybe it's a movieism, but Dumbledore expressly forbids teachers to talk about it and has personally removed all the books that would have mentioned horcruxes from the school library from the restricted section these are the books that dumbledore keeps sort of in his office so there's no way she you know you're going to find out about it from anybody other than dumbledore or in the case of i guess harry eventually gets it from slughorn but you know it's adults only kind of a thing and that's just the way it is Yeah, I did want to give a shout out to Hermione here for actually recognizing the importance of figuring out what Horcruxes are. Um, It's kind of funny because it feels like there may have been something that happened between chapters here that we just didn't get access to. Because all of a sudden, Harry seems to have this like renewed interest in figuring out what Horcruxes are. (laughs) And he mentions that he had hoped Hermione would know. And it makes me wonder if like between chapters, Harry was like, oh, yeah. And and there was this thing about Horcruxes. And I could see Hermione being like, well, did you ask what they are? And then when yeah. Harry says, uh, no, Hermione's like, okay, idiot, let me go try and figure this out for you. <laughs> Is it the fact that they're so hard to get information on that Harry is now really intrigued by them? Like, Well, yeah, probably. I think it's when Hermione draws a blank because that's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think part of this whole Ron Hermione uh, breakup thing that's going on right now um, is basically to underscore how underappreciated Hermione is and how comfortable or how used to 
her help they've been. Even later in this potions class, Ron kind of realizes he can't just copy Hermione or, you know, rely on her to help him out when he's stuck. So he ends up brewing probably the worst potion he's ever brewed before in his life. Like, you know, Hermione is always going to be there. And that's how Harry feels. It's just like, oh, I'll just ask Hermione about Horcruxes, maybe in the back of his mind. But now at the beginning of this chapter, when he when she doesn't know, he's like, oh, man, now I now I am interested. Like now I'm very much sort of in the game. I have to kick it in gear. Right. And and I think one of the, the other things that's kind of underscored through this chapter when we're talking about the Horcruxes or we're talking about the potion making is the fact that when the three of them aren't working together, it makes things a lot more challenging and a lot more difficult because they all bring something to the table. And I think it's challenging, particularly for Harry, to have to constantly be sharing information in two different situations, right? He can't tell Ron and Hermione together about what Dumbledore has tasked him with. Can't tell both of them together about the Horcruxes. They can't work on a solution together. The same thing as it relates to Malfoy and, and what he's up to later in the chapter. I think when they're together, they're they're at their best. Yeah. Need to get the band back together. This is so sad. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. So they do have this potions lesson and uh, it's no match for the Half-Blood Prince. Harry finally feels like he might be stuck because he can't find a solution. He can't find uh, some notes about an antidote. Uh, but wait a second. He flips a few more pages and he finds a note that says, oh, just shove a, a bezoar down its throat. And Harry ends up deciding to try this and lo and behold, it works. But... um. An interesting thing here is that Harry realizes, wait, hasn't Snape brought up Beezers before? And what's interesting to me is that this note, just just stuff one of these down its throat, um, is so in contrast to the line that Harry recalls from Potions. Like, one of them is just so, like, slapdash, and the other one is so, you know, formal, teacher. So it's like you can't really make the connection there but should Mm -hmm. harry have not necessarily but i think Mm -mm. the reader could have because you have that very you know as you say it's very teacher-esque the way it's kind of scripted and written out about bizarres and then not a paragraph later it's referencing the fact that well hadn't snape mentioned them in harry's first ever potions class i feel like that was a little bit of a way for jk rowling to drop a clue for readers that there could be some connection here that mm-hmm. we're still not um, mm-hmm. figuring out as readers. If anything, the handwriting on the box of Beezers should match that of the half-blood prince. Because <laughs> mm. he wrote Beezers on the box, presuming he wrote it and didn't get it at a store where the cardboard box had already been written on Beezers. But and it's still, like as a reader, though, I still don't find this like, to be a very big clue. No, but it's subtle. It's kind of it's brilliant. Subtle, in it's, exactly. Yeah, it's there. I, you know, it's so, there. It's a um, thing. And I just thought too, that this whole potions class was very foretelling of what was to happen later on in the chapter with Ron, right? It's, it's trying to come up with these antidotes. And then all of a sudden, Harry finds the solution by, 
flipping a couple of pages and going and getting a bazaar. So see, I, I loved the couple of chapter or a couple of pages here where it seemed like Harry would finally lose or have to come clean or, you know, that, that was, I thought really good tension. Hermione's kind of gloating a bit too much for my liking. It's just, she's just so happy to see Harry fail. And when he doesn't, I think we kind of feel with her, like we, I feel Hermione's pain in this chapter most of when Harry's able to yet again kind of cheek his way into Slughorn's good graces. When she, I think it's said that she isolates 52 separate poisons or something like that, like in her uh, antidote that she's trying to make. And That's all well and good, though. But if Harry didn't flip those pages, what would have happened at the end of the chapter? Uh, yeah, considering Slughorn does not have like a... A game time reaction that's he would have died on his birthday and laura would have been really upset yep her idiot (laughs) so it definitely makes internal sense for him to see what the beezer is and then he uses it later in the chapter that's right but yeah i totally felt hermione's frustration here like she's worked her ass off throughout this entire lesson based off her actual knowledge like she is actually the better student And yet, here's Harry again, pulling an answer out of this book that, you know, is not in any way indicative of his actual talent at potions. And yet he's getting all the fanfare still. Mm -hmm. But if Hermione was a true friend, she would realize the fact that Harry needs to endear himself to Slughorn. And what better way to do this than to continue (laughs) what the Half-Blood Prince is providing him with? Well, actually, I think she is a real friend because she's telling him early on in the chapter that he needs to come up with a strategy Mm -hmm. for how he's going to approach Slughorn. And he just seems to think like, oh, I'll just hang out and talk to him after class. And we see how well that goes. Yes. No, that's a good point. But this also, this book also has saved Ron's life. So Hermione should be a big fan of it now. Well, she doesn't know that yet. It's just that Harry's chosen to rely on this book. A hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. it, it's 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 if Harry had seen, I think I like to think of myself if I were a student and if I got this book, I'd be like, OK, this is very helpful. It's sort of a game changer on things, but I still haven't grasped the fundamentals of why potions like that's Harry's big thing in this chapter is he needs to understand the basic rudimentary laws of potion making to be able to complete this exercise. And he just doesn't. So it's not I mean, to use the book half the to get you halfway is kind of smart and useful and would have been the better call. But Harry wouldn't have been so paralyzed if he had sort of just a basic understanding of, of potions. I mean, he's a sixth year potion student. He should generally understand what the deal is with potions, but he seems to really not be able to without the, the, he's using the book as a crutch uh, a little bit too much. Yeah. And actually Slughorn mentions when Harry gives him the bazaar, he's like, well, yeah, like this is really cheeky and clever, but it doesn't work on everything. So you should still understand (laughs) (laughs) how this works. You know, Slughorn is very genial about Harry. And part of that has to do with him reading the half of Prince's book. But there's also this connection. It gets bring, it got brought up again. And I want to get your guys thoughts on it. It's, it's just, he brings up how Lily was such a good potioner. And I keep forgetting that that's not just like a throwaway line. Like now I want to ask 
you know, if Lily was so good at potions, shouldn't she have just married Snape? <laughs> like, and and gotten it over with, like, I often think of Snape's Patronus as being, okay, so, like, he was totally into her, and that's kind of creepy, but it sounds like they really did have something in common. Like, the Half-Blood Prince, a.k.a. Snape, really understood potions, had that intuitive knack, in much the way that Slughorn describes Lily as having had. So... Were they, is it possible, guys, that they were more alike than we appreciate often? Totally. I think 100%. I think one of the the interesting things about Snape's character is that were he less of a jackass, he could have been Harry's father. Mm. You know, like he and, he and Lily were really good friends when they were younger. And I, I kind of like to imagine, this is like my headcanon, but uh, young Snape and Lily sitting down working on potions together and like some of these discoveries that are written down in the Half-Blood Prince's textbook were actually things that Snape and Lily discovered together. So Harry's kind of like low-key using solutions that his mother helped develop. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. It's my headcanon. Wow. (laughs) So like what qualities do you need to be a good potioner? Like patience and observation skills, right? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that same patience is what made Lily able to put up with James Potter for so long, you know, in his teenage years. Interesting. But I don't like this idea that Snape and Lily, like Snape could have been Harry's father, because if that were the case, Harry just wouldn't exist. Well, you know what I mean. Like, Lily kind of had this, like, we don't really know, like, all that much about her, but the two primary men in her life during her Hogwarts years, as far as we know, were Snape and James. And there was this very definitive breaking moment where Snape decided to go be a Death Eater, where it became very clear that that path was closed. Mm, True. You know, and so that is ultimately i think what opened up the path for lily to pursue james potter perhaps or maybe for him to see like oh i have this opportunity now let me act like more of an adult (laughs) maybe yeah Yeah. this chapter two or even the book as a whole i feel like allows us to learn more just about lily as a character through slughorn and i feel also like potions which has long been the bane of harry's existence for such a long period of time ever since he's stepped foot at hogwarts it's now kind of become his his i won't say his favorite class but you know he it it's like things have flipped a little bit he's got a professor who he likes who's teaching him he's doing well at the subject and he's getting all these great insights and references to his mother you know I think this book is as much about Lily at times as it is about Snape. And I think they did it even more service in the movie with the scene in Hagrid's hut when Mm -hmm. Slughorn is talking about Francis's fish that Lily had given him. And it shows just how strong of a bond existed between Lily and Slughorn. And like, I oftentimes wonder is that also part of the reason why Dumbledore brought Slughorn back? Or was it purely just to find out about the memory? Or was it to give Harry a little bit more of a, of a bond to somebody who knew his mother? I think maybe that was a, a bonus. 
Um, Because I think Dumbledore is still a savage. Kind of. But I mean, I I can see him looking (laughs) at this and being like, hey, you have this information I really need. You also had a favorite student in Harry's mother. And you're already obsessed with Harry because of his standing in the wizarding world. So pretty easy connection to make. But I kind of wanted to piggyback off of your point, Micah, that we learn way more about Lily through her associations with Snape than we ever learn about her through her associations with James. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Part of that is because the other marauders are unavailable for comment. You know, (laughs) they're just not. (laughs) You get a little bit about James or a little bit about Lily at like Christmas and birthdays, but not, you know, just, just the reunions type stuff. So I do find it fascinating. Something else I found interesting was that Hermione experiences something that she rarely experiences the inability to find information on the horcruxes like we were talking about earlier i i wonder if the series was set a decade later would jk rowling have written this storyline where like hermione goes to london and gets onto a computer and like starts googling for horcruxes because she is just totally out of options and this book was set in the 90s back when the internet exploded Back before the internet exploded. It would be like if the government decided to remove a topic off the internet and actually succeeded would be like Mm -hmm. the equivalent, I think, Mm -hmm. which is weird. You know, I mean, I'm assuming there are you probably can't Google how to build a bomb. And I would really recommend our listeners don't try uh, (laughs) because you'll get on a list. But, you know, that's that's what a Horcrux is essentially is a very destructive um, it's the same kind of thing where it would only cause harm learning about it. So it's removed. It's a, it's a, it's a dark, dark web kind of topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely never happened before. Like Hermione, the library has never failed Hermione. She's even found like Nicholas Flamel and she did a massive search for that back in year one. She would totally go to a cat cafe, by the way, and just like steal somebody's <laughs> laptop. I do wonder, like, in in modern day Hogwarts, they have muggle studies. So one is presuming the internet is a big part of that at this point, you know, 2019. So does does modern day Hogwarts have like Wi-Fi for people who are taking muggle studies? <laughs> yes, but it's always down. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Peeves. Are it's always take- his fault. Field trips into the muggle world to experience computers and iPhones. <laughs> like, is there cell reception at Hogwarts? You would think so. I think, I think the magic interferes with it because electronic devices don't work at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, that would suck. It, was it Andrew or Mikey you wanted to debate something here? Oh, yeah. So another big focus of the chapter is apparition lessons. And Harry says something I've found kind of interesting like all the students are very excited to learn as we saw in a previous chapter and harry's like oh i don't even really care to do well here because i just prefer flying Hmm. so i wonder fly or apparate which one would we prefer flying fly (laughs) why um i feel like flying incorporates far more um, sort of like decision making abilities. Um, whereas apparition is very much like these low level, like almost subconscious 
level abilities. And like we see what happens to Susan Bones when she's not entirely focused on her destination. Mm-hmm. Um, she ends up, you know, legless for a moment. And I just like the idea of being able to control what's happening to me. <laughs> when I'm flying, I am in 100% control of that. Yeah. Unless someone jinxes your broom. I I find flying very dangerous. You're up in the air very high. You could hit a bird or another wizard or a plane. You could be spotted very easily. Yeah. You're, you're not like buckled in or anything. You're sitting on a freaking broomstick. <laughs> but what if you fly only like five feet above the ground? <laughs> is that allowed i doubt that's allowed like a land speeder in Star Wars. yeah i'm That'd imagining cool. it like in the countryside where nobody's there just like a few feet up sure if i want to like graze the farm field <laughs> like i don't see the point of only being five feet up in the air <laughs> you could till the field you with fall, some you don't die well, yeah. I mean, let's not forget, too, when Harry flies, he's got, like, bludgers uh, hit at him. So he's having to avoid, like, yeah. know, serious cranial injury. Um, but he still prefers flying. I think the problem is just the danger. Like, you, you kind of pointed out, like, it's not... I, I, I Flying, I, it might be more dangerous than riding a car, than dri- driving a car, because... You're not as protected unless you have, like, some kind of magical shield around you. You're not protected against collision. There's mm-hmm. also the altitude factor. Um, you fly too high, you probably can't breathe. So yeah. there's, there's a lot more that makes it more dangerous. But is that as dangerous than possibly leaving half of yourself in your last destination? Yeah. <laughs> like, if the heads of house weren't all there in this room to fix Susan Bones in a puff of purple smoke... Seconds after it happened, what would really have happened to her? Yeah, I, I th- feel like they're practicing this within a safe environment where if something happens, they'll be able to take care of it like they do. Uh, right. My my argument was going to be, what if you're being chased by by a Death Eater or, or Voldemort? Are you just going to be like, excuse me, sir, can I wait a second while I grab my broom so I can fly out of here? Yeah. Or are you just going <laughs> to apparate on the spot? Akio Broom. Okay, everybody. He's getting his broom. He's gonna <laughs> But I mean, just because you apparate doesn't mean that something bad can't happen to you. Look at what happened to Dobby. That's true. Mm-hmm. What um, also cracks me up is that like for these apparition les- lessons, the teacher is like destination, determination, deliberation. And like there's all this work involved. And then when they learned about flying, it's just up. Say up. <laughs> <laughs> very different a lot simpler well and also there's just no strategy being taught here this teacher's like yep here are your keywords and then go ahead and just take a half turn on the spot and you'll yeah. like what yeah what cracks me up about that is they're entering 12 weeks of lessons and he wants them to do it 30 seconds into the initial lesson like uh-huh. what is he thinking yeah. This is not well. The, the lesson plan for this is disastrous. Like, you don't just hand somebody on the first day of driver's ed, you don't hand a kid keys to the car and go, okay, well, you know, go drive around the parking lot. They're going to back into something. They're going to hit a lamppost or fellow students or something, you know? More evidence showing that Hogwarts is a safety nightmare. <laughs> so I don't know what he's trying to get at. Splinching was bound to happen. On the, on the first lesson ever, a whole lot of nothing. And then yeah. somebody got splinched, and that's par for the course because the the lesson is just so shoddily planned. 
Mm -hmm. I do, however, like the description of Wilkie Twycross, uh, who was a former or previous uh, Quizich answer, um, Mm. that he's described as being barely there. (laughs) Like whether his whether his uh, substance, there's a line I'm going to I'll find it, but it's the question is whether or not um, he's got like wispy hair and stuff, whether that helps him apparate or whether he's actually less substantial because he's apparated all of his life. I thought that was really brilliant. Maybe he's left like little pieces of himself all over the world. (laughs) (laughs) See, Voldemort could have just done this and he didn't need to make Horcruxes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. There are, there are no good apparitioners. There's just people who lie about how much, how often they splinch themselves. Right. Harry notices at this lesson that Draco is talking with Crab and Goyle and he's like, Oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? And Draco goes missing. So Harry decides that he's going to start following him on the Marauder's map. And Harry opens it up on Ron's birthday. And it's the first thing that Harry notices that Draco isn't there. So I'm wondering, though, is has Harry crossed the line here in terms of how he's approaching this Draco situation? Because now he's basically stalking him. And I realize that the Marauder's map, that's all it is, really. It just made me kind of it made me wonder if harry is going too far and if we should seriously consider harry to be a stalker Mm. because harry doesn't really have much evidence that malfoy is up to anything bad so he just has his suspicions so should harry you know should harry (laughs) What have I tried to say? I, I Unless Harry's a murderer, unless Malfoy's a murderer, and Harry Potter is Corman Strike, I think he's out of line. Uh, I'm, I it, mean, I'd do it. <laughs> if I were in Harry's shoes, I'd totally do it. Especially at that age. Wow, you creep. I mean, okay, how is this different? How is this different from, like, excessive online stalking? Like, of Facebook profiles and things like that. We all do that. But you know exactly where the person is and you can follow them in real time. This is like having access to me, Laura, on your Find My Friends app. You wouldn't see much activity. I'm at home all the time, but you (laughs) would know where I am at all times. Uh, Note to self, I need a friend, Andrew. (laughs) I think at this point, the uh, book has stated the case for why Harry is doing this. Like we We do have a lot of evidence that he's up to no good. Harry has been following all year. And seeing, you know, what he says to Snape, overhearing that, seeing him in Diagon Alley, he knows Draco's up to no good. I obviously prejudice plays a part, but I think that Harry does have enough information to to go and do it. The the real problem is, I mean, I think the the book shies away. Well, the book doesn't really give Harry the opportunity to become a full fledged inappropriate stalker because Malfoy's found the loophole, or it's just that the room of requirement, you know, the Marauders never found mm-hmm. out about it, so it's not on the map. Uh, I think he has even more reason to be suspicious, especially after he does a little bit of listening in on Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle during the apparition lesson. And right. it comes down to the fact that Harry is just not satisfied with the response that Dumbledore provided him with during their last lesson when he gave him all the details on the uh, unbreakable vow. And he's Harry, so of course he's going to... Ever since day one at Hogwarts, right? 
he or even before he stepped foot on Hogwarts, him and Malfoy haven't really seen eye to eye. So mm-hmm. he knows he's up to something, to Eric's point. And I think that you know, if he's able to uh, keep tabs on him with the Marauder's map, then what's the big deal? Nobody else seems to be. Because it's... Harry's taking matters into his own hands. Yeah, but you're stalking somebody. I think he needs more evidence before this is warranted. I think Harry, Ron, and Hermione should be followed right now because they're trying to look up Horcruxes. <laughs> the NSA. That's more dangerous. NSA wizards are coming after them for their search history. Yeah. Anyway, it just it just felt weird to me because especially maybe what felt especially bad about it was it was Ron's birthday and Harry's just focused on following Draco. <laughs> maybe that was part of it. But speaking of Ron's birthday, Harry can't really focus on Draco for too long because Ron has accidentally taken a chocolate spiked love potion. And this was actually one that was given to Harry by Romilda Vane. We clearly see that it was given uh, that it was Ramilda's idea because Ron suddenly falls in love with Ramilda. Um, but it's in Harry's trunk. Do we? I'm assuming at some point we learn how it got there, but or did it show up earlier on in the in the book and he just kind of tossed it in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what didn't happens. she give it to him while he was like walking into the common room? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. He had other he, stuff to that's do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was kind of like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> but wouldn't you throw it out? Why would you throw it in your trunk? Well, he didn't realize then that they were, I mean, he didn't know for sure that they were spiked or whatever. And, and even now, he didn't intend to take them out. He opened his trunk to look for the Marauder's Map so he could stalk Malfoy. So it's actually a little bit of clever coordination of how those chocolates got onto Ron's bed and into Ron's mouth. But we've discovered that if Ron sees food, he's going to eat it. <laughs> Yeah, and they didn't even end up on his bed because at one point Harry calls him out. He's like, you just picked those up off the floor, didn't you? (laughs) And Ron was like, no, I just knocked them off my bed. Gosh, Harry. (laughs) It's his birthday. He wants some chocolate. Give him a break. I think think they're like with a bow on them or something, the chocolates, you know. So considering it was the one day of the year where Ron could mistake that as being a present for him, I... I think it's it's fair enough. Um, oh, I agree. Yeah. But what's interesting is that Slughorn says love potions age over time. So this reaction that Ron is seen having, I mean, he even physically assaults Harry, punches him right in the ear. Um, <laughs> you know, what What would have the effect have been on Harry if Harry had, like, eaten chocolates that night? Like, this is, that was over Christmas or something, so it's like, Probably three months ago that that was that they love potion was meant to be ingested. Would he have just had like a vague kind of affection for Romilda? Well, yeah, it probably would not have been as intense because Slughorn, Slughorn says the longer it sits, the mm-hmm. more intense it gets, which I found very interesting. Um, but just the fact that it drives Ron to punch Harry, like, wow, yeah, that is crazy yeah and i mean he'll believe anything that he's told about Ramilda at this point like he actually believes that Ramilda is going to be in slughorn's office just because mm-hmm. he's so desperate to see her which i don't think is a reaction harry would have had if he had eaten these mm-hmm. back over christmas um yeah and like ron is talking going on and on about Ramilda's shiny hair and her large eyes and i'm just like well what that kind of gets into how the magic works. Like 
clearly Ron knows of Ramil Devane mm-hmm. vaguely. And then I don't know if it's like something in the pheromones of the love potion that make it ident- make him identify her and make the connection of his mental image. Cause how does like the potion didn't tell him to say her shiny hair and large eyes. Like that's just what he knows about her that he likes. So it's just an interesting in the movie though. Doesn't Harry ask him, have you actually ever met her before? And he's mm-hmm. like, no, can you introduce me? Right. So I, I just think it's, it's magic is at play. That's all in terms yeah. of the things that he starts to saying, but one other question I did have was, and we can talk about the the poisoned meat as well, is how are all these items getting into the castle? The <laughs> necklace didn't necessarily make its way into the castle, but now you have this you know, kind of contraband love potion chocolate. You have the poisoned mead inside of Slughorn's office. Filch is not doing his job. Oh, exactly. No, not exactly. The Weasleys have screwed it. The Weasleys have given you that workaround mail order thing. That's what Hermione said a couple chapters ago, that they found a way around Filch's secrecy to censor. So Ramil Devane either bought the love potion uh, over the summer or had it, you know, owled to her in a nondescript package that fooled Filch. It's not really his fault. Okay. And as far as the mead... (laughs) I mean, as far as the mead goes, uh, Slughorn himself brought it from the three broomsticks where I assume an imperious cursed Madame Rosmerta put the poison in. So we're talking about like adults who are not your normal, like, I, I don't know if the adults don't get scanned when they enter Hogwarts, but it just seems that Slughorn was certainly shocked to discover that something he gave to Ron could have been, you know, from his personal store could have been not what he thought it was but look it's filch's responsibility that was his job prevent dark magic from entering the school you know maybe they maybe they shouldn't make a squib uh the protector of a a magic school i agree yeah i was thinking about that too also like dumbledore like why isn't dumbledore in charge of this (laughs) like seriously he's busy I I get that he's busy, but like you're still the headmaster of this school. You are the greatest wizard of your age. Perhaps you should have some sort of oversight on the committee that scans things that come into the castle. Well, maybe it should have been McGonagall. She's a little less busy and she's like the number two at Hogwarts or 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 just any teacher there. Who isn't a squid? Yeah. I mean, to be honest about McGonagall, though, I think we've recently found out that she's actually much older in these books than we realized when we were reading at the time. So wow. she, she probably needs a lot of naps. Oh, my God. Every year, Dumbledore should not only find a DADA teacher, but also a security head. That should have been a plot point in each of these books and Mm. the position could have been cursed just like the dada teacher is do you think that he's just fine with collateral damage on on this front like he he, really doesn't care yeah he knows Malfoy's so many issues he knows malfoy's trying to kill him he knows malfoy's on the loose and uh first katie bell almost dies and now ron almost dies like harry would never have forgiven dumbledore never if Dumbledore's carelessness and and brushing off his suspicions about Draco 
ended in Ron's death because Dumbledore didn't want to look into it or Dumbledore actively knew and it was later to be revealed that he did nothing about what all this poison going around. Speaking of the love potion, so um, Lavender sees Ron, Ron and Lavender see each other while Ron is heading out to go see his new love, Romilda. And this ends up breaking their relationship. And this is the starting point of it falling apart. So we asked on Patreon this week, do you think if your partner was love potioned and you saw them falling for someone else, do you think your relationship could survive such an attack? And TR... T-I-A-R-E said, did you mean would the person who gave my partner a love person survive my attack? And the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) That one had the most likes. (laughs) Um, Robbie said, if I knew it was love potion, then of course. Megan said, anyone else kind of wish your husband would suddenly come under the effects of a love potion so that he would leave you alone for a while? No, that's just me. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> hope he doesn't listen to the podcast uh, that's a topic for another show it sounds like <laughs> uh kelsey says no victim shaming and blaming whoever gave him that potion though nope i don't know i feel like that would be tough in a relationship and that's the reason why i asked this question i mean we see it was tough on ron and lavender's relationship like your your relationship is being opened up in a way you never imagined it's it's like cheating I, I know that a love potion is at play, but it must feel like cheating because suddenly you're seeing Bay go after someone else. And it's like, maybe our relationship is fragile if the love potion could break through. Well, I think that in this case, the love potion was a conveniently uh, timed occurrence because Ron and Lavender's relationship was already not the most steady thing. I mean, it's it's basically based on lots of making out uh, and like PDA, and that's about it. So I don't think that there was much of a foundational strength to that relationship to begin with. Whereas like for a couple who's been together for years and years, if somebody gets dosed, you know, it's it's not quite the same thing. Yeah. Still, it would just be so sad to see my love with another woman. Ugh. Bree said we would survive, but only after an exc- exclamation of not my husband, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll say there's a lot of uh, patrons who are, are will definitely have it out for the person who administered the love potion. So, yeah, I oh, didn't even yeah. think about that part. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's effectively like roofing somebody's partner. <laughs> yeah. Love potions really need to go. They'd have no place in this post-Me Too era. Correct. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. uh, God, it's not like the olden days, right, Laura? <laughs> that's right. Not like the 1920s. Ugh, mm-hmm. Things were just so much easier back then. <laughs> Make Hogwarts great again, guys. It makes me get away. It makes me wonder. um, And and like we've connected this before, but like Marobi Gaunt and what she did to Tom Riddle Sr. Like it must have been he he must have. If this is what like the effect that love potions have that we're seeing like Ron just go all googly eyed, you know, and, and I don't know if that's because it's like an expired 
love potion, but Tom Riddle Sr. really, really would have, like, been debasing himself on, like, a yeah. daily basis to, like, pour over this witch. Who my, would, yeah. my sense is that Merope was more practiced and in the sense, maybe not initially, but over time, it seemed like she, not that the situation would almost be normal between the two of them, but... Mm. To the maybe even to the casual observer, it wouldn't look necessarily like he was under some sort of yeah. spell. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think it's good to compare the two situations. But I think you know, there, there th- this one occurred over a much longer stretch of time than just taking a couple of uh, chocolates and and seeing what happened. Edibles, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, more show to get to today, but first, time for a word from another one of this week's sponsors. Yeah, this week, MuggleCast is brought to you also by OpenFit. Getting fit and staying healthy always sounds easier than done, right? Mm -hmm. I should know, I've been trying to do it for years. But that's where OpenFit comes in. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. So OpenFit is a great opportunity. Like I've just gotten uh, to get get going on some of their training, some of their platforms. Andrew, you said uh, you use it or Pat uses it? Yeah, Pat and I really love it. It's just very easy to fit into your day because you don't have to go anywhere. You're just working out at home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm particularly fond of these 600 seconds workouts uh, with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins. I don't want to work out in the mornings. I usually find myself trying to make any excuse not to, but I'm at home. I haven't left for work and Devin gets me into the go. So he gets he gets me going. And 600 um, seconds sounds very achievable. Yeah. It's just like, know? oh, OK, that's, <laughs> you know, 10 minute workout, 600 seconds. But it's it's really, really impressive. You can lose up to 15 pounds in the first 30 days, flatten your abs, shape your body, and look and feel great. They can also teach you to uh, train for the Tough Mudda, which I'm nowhere near there, but it's definitely something that this platform offers. So it's a range of workouts for all varieties, for all people, for all types. Uh, the greatest thing about OpenFit is they have a 30-day challenge, and <laughs> there's an extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit for MuggleCast listeners. So when you text MuggleCast to 303030, you get a free 30-day trial membership to OpenFit. You're going to get full access to OpenFit, all the workouts and nutrition information, totally free. Once again, text MuggleCast to 303030. And OpenFit's certainly changed the way I work out. Don't even need to go to the gym. Uh, I can just work out from the comfort of my home on all my devices you can join me on a fitness journey, and it's personalized just for you. You pick the program, use the code MuggleCast, and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Thanks, OpenFit, for their support. Eric, it's going to be an overnight low tonight of zero degrees. So Yeah, I'm not going to the gym. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to not gonna do that. Nope. <laughs> this is great <laughs> during the winter, especially. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, time for connecting the threads. Micah, is this going to be the last con- connecting the threads? No, no. Oh, no, no. thank God. <laughs> it's just that. <laughs> my favorite segment. When we've tried to uh, connect a lot of the threads with Chamber of Secrets, we've looked very closely at the corresponding chapters, and we all know that uh, Half Blood Prince is just a tad bit longer than Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> so, uh, chapter 18 of 
Chamber of Secrets is in fact the final chapter of that book. But uh, of course, we can look throughout the the entirety of the book to make comparisons. I know we're going to have chapters coming up uh, that feature Dobby. We're going to have chapters coming up with Aragog. So, of course, there are ties back to Chamber of Secrets that may not necessarily align specifically with uh, the chapter itself. But I think, Eric, did you put this in here? Yeah, I did. So uh, you, you are the, uh, you're the thread connector uh, for this, <laughs> this particular episode. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, if you, I was thinking about this the other day uh, because actually the last chapter I read before this was the one I'm about to talk about. But if you view uh these books as like a mirror and say that half-blood prince say half-blood prince ended here um and if you look at it like a mirror and there's still a seven book series and if half-blood prince ended right here the mirror chapter would actually be not the last chapter of book two but the first chapter of book two and the first chapter of book two was titled does anybody know it's in the dock. I know. But I'll just I, say didn't, it. I didn't want to <laughs> cheat. I saw it was right there. We don't want to steal your thunder. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was called The Worst Birthday. Mm. And I think so looking at them like there's some middle point in the middle of probably at the end of book four. That's like the true middle. But the first chapter of book two and the last chapter or this chapter of Half-Blood Prince, which is chapter 18, um, The Worst Birthday that could describe that could very well be the chapter title of this chapter that we're talking about yeah. birthday surprises um ron has pretty much i'm going to go out on a limb and say this is the worst birthday ron ever has yeah and i think i i flipped to the next chapter this morning and i noticed somebody comments oh this is like his worst birthday so <laughs> uh maybe jk rowling did plan it that way again that's freaking crazy yeah yeah it's true Ron ingests uh, poison chocolate and Dobby drops cake on top. I mean, it's all confectionery stuff. So <laughs> Lots of confectionery stuff. Yeah, you're right. Any love potions right. in that chapter? The worst birthday? Hmm. Hmm. Well, Vernon loves drills, but I don't know that that's a potion <laughs> <What>? thing. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. I don't know why I said no, that. No, that's even. good. Keep it in. No, no, no. Please keep it. <laughs> No, I mean, Vernon's going on and on about how he's going to make a big sale. He loves his job. How about that? <laughs> yeah, he that? loves his job. He loves his job. <laughs> he loves Mr. Mason. <laughs> but actually, one of our uh, MuggleCast listeners, Katie Hiley, uh, myself, and Beth Warsaw, did a throwback episode of uh, Alohomora podcast where we talk about the worst birthday. We just recorded that last week. It'll probably air in a week from now. So that's why I read that chapter. But it's crazy, the connections. So MVP of the week, I'm going to give it to the Marauders map for enabling Harry's stalker tendencies. <laughs> I feel like once you have the map, you just can't let go of that thing. It's just so damn handy. Just lays in bed following people. I'm going to give mine to uh, the Half-Blood Prince for helping Harry out, stay atop his potions class, but also saving Ron's life. Very good. Very good. I'm, I gave mine to Hermione. For some of this chapter, I said she was intolerable, but when she can't find the information she wants on Horcruxes, and believe me, she did look through every book, she shuts this book uh, while Harry is with her, and it starts wailing like a ghost whale, and she looks at it and tells it to shut up. 
She's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I have to give her an MVP did- because Hermione told the book to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> did we even mention the fact that Harry basically barks the word Horcruxes at Slughorn? Um, like, what do you mean, barks it? Yeah, why do you want to mention that? Well, I mean, he he does attempt to try and, and, and figure out the memory piece of it. He fails miserably. Yeah. I, I just don't remember if we spoke about it at all. No, Lawler mentioned that it failed, uh, that it was a failed attempt, but it, we didn't specifically get into it. Okay. Yeah, because he didn't have a plan. <laughs> like That's right. His very intelligent friend told him he should have. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to give my MVP of the week to the Bazaar. That thing came in clutch twice in this chapter. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it was the same one too. It wasn't like it was different bazaars. It was the same one. That, Wait, no, it wasn't. Yeah, because Harry went and uh, got it out of Slughorn's stuff, and he said it was the one from the class. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, you know what? I was thinking you had to pull it out of somebody's mouth to get it a second time to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Never oh. mind. It wasn't his potions kit that was. He didn't. He didn't use it in the yeah. class. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, wait, that's impossible. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but yeah. It just goes to show you goats save lives. <laughs> wow. I think Laura's suge- uh, MVP is the best of the week. Literally speaking, it mm-hmm. is the most valuable. It's the goat. The goat. <laughs> Greatest of all time. <laughs> Episode title. And rename yep. the chapter, Half-Blood Prince Chapter 18. Destination, Determination, Deliberation. That's how I read it. Nice. In my head. All right. I went with uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, Chapter 18. Andrew, hopefully you'll enjoy this one. Monitoring Malfoy. Yeah. You creep. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You can add that in. Hold on. Monitoring Malfoy. You creep. (laughs) (laughs) He added it to our notes. (laughs) Oh, God. Um the chapter idea I had uh, for a title was a quote from earlier in the chapter when Harry's with Hermione in the snow. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, chapter 18, Knee Deep in Sorrow. All right. And mine is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, chapter 18, Ron Weasley's terrible, no good, very bad birthday. Good one. <laughs> if you have anything to say about this week's discussion, email us, mugglecast at gmail.com, or use the contact form on mugglecast.com, or give us a call with your feedback. We'll get back to voicemail soon. One nine two zero three muggle It's time for Quizzage. Yes, last week's question uh, was actually one based on the special features that we did not uh, fully discuss last week on the French Ministry of Magic a couple of people wrote in that they actually bought the special features so that they could answer this question that they bought the home video release. Uh, but it turns out there was, as uh, one of our listeners, Sarah Davis, pointed out, the the Quizich question was answered in a L.A. Times article as well. So Go I, figure. Yeah, I was not expecting this, but the specific minute detail, which was, by the way, a hundred circular typewriters. Uh, or circular period typewriters. I think they were called ticker tape machines in the DVD documentary. But if you watch it, and it's on the French Ministry of Magic, constructing the French Ministry of Magic, they talk about how they basically have a 100 extras, and each of them has their own little cubicle, and in the center of the cubicle is this 
rusted gold like it looks like a typewriter but it's it's a complete oval kind of like a donut if you were to put typewriter keys around the donut anyway they made a hundred of these and they look amazing so i definitely had to make that the quizich question um answer but uh anyway fluffy mcnutters was the winner who said that answer cost me about twenty dollars <laughs> karen uh sarah william and Super Mandy and Leaf all got the correct answer. So uh, thank you all for playing. But definitely those um, set building documentaries that they that they do uh, are um, all really interesting and fascinating um, in Fantastic Beasts. So definitely check out if you have the Crimes of Grindelwald um, Blu-ray when it comes out or if you have the, uh, the digital, definitely check it out. Here, here he goes again, pushing sales of the uh, movie. I'm telling you guys, they're going to give me the extended fans on screen real life thing yeah. if I sell a thousand copies. Keep dreaming. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and next week's question. What is the name of the big Hufflepuff player who succeeds in getting the quaffle from Ginny? And your hints are, it's not Bibble. And it's not Buggins. <laughs> the name of the big Hufflepuff player who gets the quaffle from Ginny during the Quidditch match. Submit your answers over on Twitter, twitter.com slash MuggleCast, at MuggleCast, and hashtag Quizich with your answer. So um, we would love your support at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. You know, I'm looking at this poll. I don't want to share the poll that we posted there. But it's really mm. close, guys, concerning one of our benefits this year. Yeah. I think we need to take the closeness into consideration because we're going to let down a lot of people. Maybe. So if you are a patron, please go to patreon.com slash MuggleCast and vote in that poll about one of this year's benefits. It concerns signed album art. We're going to do it again. <laughs> I'm just revealing it all now. I don't know why I was hiding it from people. <laughs> um. We're, we're going to do signed album art again this year because a lot of people missed out on it last time. And we have new album art. So we thought, let's do it again. And everybody who pledges $5 or more is going to be eligible this year. But we're deciding which album art to use because we have two new ones. And the poll is extremely close. So make sure you, you vote. Every vote is going to count here. Um, but besides that, Patreon helps us keep the show going. We are weekly because of the Patreon. It's easy to forget that. So please visit us at patreon.com slash mugglecast. When you do pledge, you will have instant access to tons of benefits. We recently made sure that all of our posts were categorized on Patreon, so you can easily access the bonus mugglecast, the chapter readings that we were doing, uh, the Patreon questions of the week, the planning docs, the announcements. Everything is very easily accessible. Uh, Patreon, again, patreon.com slash MuggleCast is where you can support us. And thank you to everybody who does support us. We have a lot of cool benefits coming up over the next year. And like I said, once you pledge, boom, you have instant access to tons of stuff. Yeah, it's over 45 hours of content. That's a lot. Unique. Yeah, 45 hours of extra stuff that's only on Patreon. It's unbelievable. Uh, recently counting it all up and... I, I couldn't believe the result so yeah time flies we've been doing it for what solid three 
three years three years now jeez yeah we're, we're going we're into the third year it was january 2016 like the very last days of january 2016 yeah. when we started it all right uh and one last plug for mugglecast.com you can access our complete episode archive and there you'll also find our wall of fame where you can find our favorite episodes of the show links to our advertisers so you can get those deals that we talk about you can get the uh discount codes and uh the contact page just click about slash contact and you can easily email us thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm eric uh micah and i'm laura see everybody next week goodbye bye bye bye